0: Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: It was really a great telecast. At the beginning of it, they had a girl who sang the anthem. She was 13 years old. She was tremendous. And I wrote to Alan. I wrote, Dom Smith likely to go three for four with a home run tonight on a short field. And he writes back, Heard podcast, you promised Barry you weren't going to pick on Dominic (laughs) Smith anymore, which clearly lasted less than 24 hours.
0: This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony
2: Kornheiser Show.
1: These are slow days in mid to late August. These are slow days. There's really not much in sports. Football hasn't started yet. I don't care about exhibition games in any particular sport. Um, There's no hockey or basketball, thankfully, because those seasons take, you know, 10 months a year. So all there is is baseball. Baseball, for me, is, is the lifeline. So I watched the Nats last night. And a couple of things happened that were just absolutely wonderful. First of all, the Nats beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Everybody beats the Yankees now. But the Nats beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. 2-1. T- yeah, it was a nice one. Two solo home runs. Nice one run. early on. Carter Keyboom. Carter Keboom was starting at third base. Carter Keyboom, I don't think, has played in the major leagues in two years. There were two Keybooms. There was the catcher. Oh, sure. I remember him. There was the catcher. He was a prospect. And the third baseman, Carter, a better prospect. And the Nats gave him the job two or three years ago. It didn't work out. It just didn't work out. And he st- the catcher retired from baseball. I'm forgetting his first name. The older Kibum. Then Carter Keyboom, I guess, stayed. And I guess was called up yesterday for this particular game. And I'm assuming will be optioned out today after this particular game. it's usually how it works. Yeah. yeah. He hit a home run last night. His first time up, he's batting ninth for the Nats. He hits a home run into the left field seats at Yankee Stadium. It's got to be one of the greatest thrills of his life. It's apparent that he's not going to be a great major leaguer. Just too bad. You know, it's just too bad. But what a thrill for him last night. And then C.J. Abrams hit one late. And so it's a 2-1 game. And the Nats got great pitching all the way through, and Dominic Smith came in as he's been doing lately as a defensive replacement. Yep, didn't have in, any at bats. Came in in the ninth, I think. Yeah, right? he's a very good defensive player. Yeah, I'm fine with him. Vargas being on had the squad. Vargas had a nice play in the ninth. The, the guy that took over at third base for Key boom. Let me just say this: Do you know that three different Nats were thrown out at second base? No, I didn't. Know one that. of them was uh, Call, and one of them was Vargas. I thought two in one inning thrown out at second base. It's terrible. It, it makes you wonder. Is the first base coach making a mistake in sending them, or did they just run right through a sign? Because nobody pays – people pay attention to the third base coach, third base not the first base coach. Yeah. Three different people were thrown out at second base by the Yankees. On. Aaron Judge threw somebody out. Well, he's, he's – Aaron Judge got a gun. That's <laughs> a Aaron cannon. Aaron Judge has a gun.
2: By the way, Spencer Kibu. Spencer Kibu. Was the and, – and, and Carter – Had not played, as you
1: said, since 2021. Hasn't played. He he hasn't played in a couple of years. Welcome back. I don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah, but that was was nice. So you end up looking for stories like this. Um, There's a story in the food section today, in the Washington Post, about a guy who owns a restaurant in Summers Point, New Jersey, which is right near Atlantic City, Summers Point, New Jersey. And his name is Gregory Gregory, and he owns a place called Gregory's. Of course. Okay. And he claims, Gregory Gregory does, that in 1979, he started Taco Tuesday. (laughs) He didn't even know what tacos were. He owned the restaurant his whole life. Right. He didn't even know what tacos were. He tasted tacos, says in the story didn't particularly like tacos, but could see that people might like tacos. I'm sure that wasn't the first place that tacos were sold, but he claims to have come up with Taco Tuesday, which he's copyrighted, I guess, in the state of New Jersey. Taco mm-hmm. Tuesday. And now Taco Bell, big giant Taco Bell, is trying legally to get him to cease and desist on Taco Tuesday. Because they they're Taco Bell.
2: Right. That's, yeah,
1: that's- they're a monster. And so they want to have Taco Tuesday. <laughs> sure. They don't want this guy to have Taco Tuesday. So it's it's winding its way through the court system. I you know, me. I can't imagine he's got a legal leg to stand on on this. I don't know, but I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm not. But sure. do I root for him? Sure, of course I root for yeah, him. Yeah. You root for the little guy. Yeah. He's got these signs that say Taco Tuesday since 1979. <laughs> well, no. That's pretty nice a story. So I mean, that's a slow day story that I read. I got my leg to talk about. My leg's getting better. It's still hot to the touch, though not as hot as it was. It's no longer swollen. It's no longer nearly as red as it was before. These are all good things. Played golf? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm still taking antibiotics. I still have the compression sock on. I still elevate my leg every single day. One thing I noticed when I played yesterday, I don't have any distance at all. I have no distance anymore, of course, cuz I'm old. But I don't even have as much distance as I had a couple of weeks ago. So I'm sort of wondering if the antibiotics in some way sapping are you. affecting my strength. I don't know. sapping your Absolutely strength, no idea. Yeah. But I mean, I'm glad, that it's, I'm glad that it's getting better. You know, I thought, well, we're going to do a show. I ought to open with something. And I don't really have anything. I don't really have anything because all I did was watch the gnats. I mean, that, that was it. It made me happy anyway. So I looked through the paper. And then I, I read this. There's one piece, and I don't know if everybody's aware of this piece. James Harden has been fined $100,000 yeah. by the National Basketball Association. Okay, now, let's, let's try to put this in perspective. $100,000 to James Harden is a meaningless sum of money. Makes $40 million a year. $100,000, it, it's like even if you say, well, that's a pretty big fine for what he did, Doesn't matter to him. You know, he wouldn't even bend down to pick up a $100 bill (laughs) because it would waste too much time on his way to making a million dollars that day. I mean, that's how rich James Harden is. He was fined for saying the following sentence, following sentences, fined by the league. Let me just get this right. $100,000 following its investigation of comments made by the 10-time All-Star during a promotional event in China last week. Harden, who was seeking a trade out of Philadelphia, due the financial punishment because he had indicated he would not perform the services called for under his player contract unless traded to another team, the league said in a statement. He said, one of the things he said, the headline with what he said, was Daryl Morey is a liar. Daryl Morey is, of course, who has traded for him three different times. Yes. At various spots. <laughs> Daryl Morey is a liar, James Harden said, and I will never be part of an organization that he's part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization that he is a part of. Hmm. I, I I don't mean to come out for James Harden here on any particular level, but you can't find somebody for that. I mean, really. Like, you're not criticizing the referees here. You're not doing that. You're not talking about the integrity of the game. You're saying, I hate Daryl Morey's guts. He's a liar. By the way, it's 50-50. He is a liar. It's 50-50. He's not. He's a liar, and I, I won't play for his organization. What are you finding the guy for? Because You're finding him because you're saying he, he's threatening not to play. That's exactly what he's do, doing. Yeah. He's threatening not to play. He's using public pressure to affect a trade to get him somewhere else. This is, seems to me within the rights of players to do stuff like this. Sure. You know, if he doesn't play, don't pay him. If he's yeah. under contract and he refuses to play, you don't have to pay him. That's going to be a lot more than $100,000 a day. <laughs> yes, a lot more with the amount of millions that Hard's making. Because we're running headlong into an era in which players actually make a million dollars a game. Because they're only going to play fifty games, and they're going to get fifty million dollars a year. Because yes. some of them do now. Jalen Brown gets like fifty million dollars a year. Yeah, and, and and anybody's reaction is what? <laughs> what? Right. Well, fifty million dollars a year? Really? I still can't believe how really? much money John Wall eh, was making for no playing. He didn't play. <laughs> Yes. John Wall was hated by the Houston Rockets so much that they paid him forty five million dollars and asked him to leave. <laughs> right. said, Man, please you know. go away. It's so that's completely out of proportion, but to me, I don't know what you're in James Harden for. I mean I really don't. The amount seemed, ex- really seemed don't. excessive and then He the said cost. he hates the guy. Yeah. He called he, him a liar. Yeah. You know, I don't know. it seems to me you should be able to do that. What you shouldn't be able to do is throw the game. That's what you shouldn't be able to do. That should be frowned upon. When you go out there, you have to give your best effort. Yeah. And if you don't want to give your best effort, don't go out there. And if you don't go out there, you don't get paid. And that seems, those things seem fair to me. Seems reasonable. Although maybe in the NBA now, you do get paid. I don't know. <laughs> the NBA players have more power than players in any other sport. Absolutely. They have the most amount of power. Every year, four or five guys say, that's it, I'm done. Not playing here anymore. That's it, Done. And they're done. Yeah, And then and they, they move, get traded.
2: They get traded eventually like the Lakers. Be like, oh, yeah, they we'll get, take this brilliant player on our squad.
1: It's, uh, aren't we we waiting? We're waiting for Damian Lillard to be traded, right? Yes. He wants to play in Miami and the league is upset because he says he only wants to play in Miami. I don't know. That's where he wants to play is Miami. And I, expect, I think the league will make it happen.
2: Yes. Yes. I expect he'll be
1: in Miami for next year. I think that's how it works. Because somebody finds a reason to make a deal because they want this particular player. Because... Players in the NBA have more power than any other place. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, my position was th- that finding him for just saying he doesn't like Daryl Morey anymore—it's oh, it's okay. I mean, you can say that. Yeah, we'll take a break. I'm—I I'm, this show. Let's get to guess, right? <laughs> let's get to guess. Buster, only when we return to talk about the wonderful, wonderful um, Major League Little League baseball game last Sunday. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Ralph Rillen.
1: He has played for us before. This is from his most recent CD, Runaway Heart. This is called Just Passing Through. It's a local singer and musician performing in the DMV. Charleston, South Carolina, Minneapolis. Bethany Beach, Washington, Baltimore. Charleston, South Carolina, Minneapolis, not the DMV, Ralphie. But hey, we want you to make a living. We're happy for you, Ralph Riland. Just yes. passing through, plays in Buster Olney. Buster Olney is driving across the country with his dog. Okay, I've always liked Buster Olney. I like him more now because he's driving across the country with his dog. I got my dog sitting on a chair here, looking at me, wondering about your dog. Where are you right now on your trip across the country?
4: I'm in Deadwood, South Dakota. Uh, I'm speaking to you at about 5.45 local time. I I barred myself in the bathroom here because I'm afraid that in Deadwood, if I wake anybody up uh, mm-hmm. with a, in a hotel that's on top of a casino and a bar, <laughs> that uh, if they hear me talking about baseball, I might get shot. <laughs> and Quinny is in here with me, my 18-month-old yellow lab, who I drove to Lake George, 70 hours of driving so we could watch her jump happily into the lake, and she is sick all of a sudden.
2: Aww. And so
4: I'm, I'm, you know, between... Uh, me talking about baseball a little too loud and Quinny getting sick. Um, I'm thinking they're going to come storming through the door and I'm going to meet the same faith that Wild Bill Hickok did, <laughs> but back in the 1880s.
1: You know, I, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but there are other lakes besides Lake George. <laughs> if the dog wanted to jump in the water, you know, there's a bunch of lakes in upstate New York. You didn't have to go all the way to Lake George.
4: Yeah, I noticed that as I was driving 2,500 miles each way, yeah. that I could have stopped at some point. But this lake, uh, you know, we have a family place, and my siblings and I rent it every year. And and uh, Quinny has really enjoyed Lake George, and which is great because it's the last time she'll ever be driven 70 hours round trip yeah. to uh, to jump in the lake there.
1: So I've got it. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I'm pretty sure that. Um Who's the hawk? Barry Melrose lives in Lake George. Or does he live in South Glens Falls? They're all they're all sort of together. My, my, one of my original college roommates, David Carpenter, was from Glens Falls and Lake George. And I used to like Lake George a lot. I remember when I was a small kid, my parents took me to Lake George. And they had this really cool thing, Buster. I don't know if they still have it. Which is, you would take a, a piece of white oak tag paper and you would drop some colorful paints on it and then spin it around, and you would have an original work of art that you created yourself. Does that sound familiar to you at all in Lake George with the Montcalm Hotel and Restaurant where they serve cottage
4: cheese? No, <laughs> no. Uh, but you have. I now have something on my to-do list for next summer yeah. other than leave Quinny back in Montana. <laughs> yeah,
1: okie-dokie. Uh, look, I just wanted to talk about the Sunday night Little League, not the Little League game, the ESPN game. I was you know, Norby told me it happens every year when I told him how much I loved it. I said, I didn't know. I didn't know you did that game every single year. And I found it totally, totally charming. And I wondered, you know, if you could talk about the production of it, your role in it, because you were getting, you were having major leaguers talk to little leaguers. It was just a wonderful game. It strikes me that that's so abnormal compared to the regular Sunday night game.
4: Oh, it's completely different. You know, uh, yesterday I was talking with the producer of the of, uh, Sunday night, Andy Jacobson. Where we were reviewing it, and we were talking about I mean, it, it was so great because for one day, uh, you know, the players are reminded all the big leaguers who showed up, and it was the Phillies and the Nationals, they're reminded for one day about, you know, why they fell in love with baseball in the first place, and they completely defer to the kids, and they're great with the kids. Uh, you know Bryce Harper talking with them and getting emotional, talking about his own kids. Uh, it, you know each of the, the little leaguers get to be in groups with big leaguers, and they ask them questions and they sign balls. You know I had a conversation with Stella Weaver. Who's, yeah, uh, I saw that. Ter- I saw that. She is terrific. She is. You know her parents. What an amazing job. Great kid from the team from Tennessee. She's 12 years old, and I asked her. You know about getting how many autographs she signed there because you'll see you know, the, the best players, uh, best little leaguers will be asked by their peers for autographs. And she mentioned how big leaguers are asking for an autograph. And I said, you know, which big leaguers? And she goes, ah, I don't know. Like she didn't <laughs> know. They, they knew her, but she didn't know them. And, and these, these kids are so much fun to talk to. And, and so for one day, uh, you know, one broadcast every year, we get to just focus on the kids. And that's what we did. And, I, you know, I, I reached out to some big leaguers last week after we found out who these individual players, their favorite guys were, uh, like Aaron Judge and Shane Bieber and Max Clark, who was a top draft pick with the Detroit Tigers, uh, were some of those players and reached out to them through the teams and said, look, uh, you know, DJ uh, uh, you know, Kevin Klingerman of the team from Ohio, you guys are their favorite players. Would you mind surprising them with a video? And they jump in. Was... You know, Aaron Judge, in the midst of this Yankees' horrific losing streak, terrible season, on Sunday morning, he, takes a, he tapes a video for the, uh, this kid from Rhode Island and you know, speaks to him directly. I, I just hats off for the players for how they handle this. They are terrific every single year with the Little Leaguers.
1: So I'm invested in, in what I'm going to say now because at one point, Bryce Harper and Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber are playing from my <laughs> team, and I'm watching yeah. them. And so I hate the fact that they're in Philadelphia, but there was a shot of them in the stands rooting for the kids from media Pennsylvania. And when the media kids scored, they just got up and gave standing ovations. And I thought, this is so great. I love them again. This is why I love them because every one of these kids played little league. That's the common denominator, right? Every one of these major leaguers played little league.
4: Uh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And Bryce Harper, um, that moment and that, uh, you talked about, he stood up and he, and they were cheering for the players and he looked at, I think it was Carl Schwarber pointed down at his arm and he said, look, I got goosebumps. Goosebumps.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: He, <laughs> I, he was so excited about it. Rob Thompson is the manager of the Phillies. He's incredibly understated, you know, sort of a classic Canadian. And the other day when he talked about walking into the complex, this is it during our, our pregame meeting that we always have with the managers as he's talking about walking the Little League complex for the first time early in the day, he started weeping. Like he's getting tears in his eyes because it brought him back to a time when you know, he was sharing the Little League with his father watching an ABC Wide World of Sports. And I think, I think the players are all affected that way because they watch these games in Williamsport. And now, you know, for when you talk about the, the innocence of baseball, this is like the mecca of that experience. And the players respond to it every single year in the same way. I just
1: thought it was a a great television show. I I sent a note to Ravitch. I just really love the television show. I have a couple of small questions, which is the ballpark that the Nats and the Phillies played in, is that a regulation ballpark? And if it is, when is it used? What is its capacity? How does it compare to a standard major league park?
4: Yeah, at Bowman Field is actually a minor league park that was used in Williamsport. It's separate from the other complex, you know, they had a minor league team there uh, for many years. I, I can't remember what year it opened. I think it was 1912. And so when they do events like this, they'll come in and they'll make the lights better. They'll get the field in, in major league condition and yeah. prepare it in a great way. Murray Cook uh, oversees that for major league baseball. And, you know, whether it's London or that cornfield in, in Iowa, he they do a great job. Uh, but that actually had been a, a minor league affiliate. And it was among the teams that were, were attracted, among the franchises that were attracted by Major League Baseball a few years ago. Look, they get the Little League World Series right. I still don't understand that decision because that, you know, that ballpark uh, you know, for years was used by minor leaguers and, and is not anymore.
1: Only Little League kids in the stands, right? You couldn't buy a ticket. A regular person couldn't buy a ticket. It was completely for Little Leaguers, Yes.
4: There and some parents, yeah. It was all little leaguers, and and I love that game every year. The first time someone hits a pop up, you know, short center field can of corn, the voice, the, the sound you hear is ooh, because <laughs> you have these big guys hitting, you know, pop flies that uh, the sort of pop flies they haven't seen. And so many league, little leaguers I talked to the other day, this was the first major league game they went to, and they're standing 25 feet from Bryce Harper.
1: I, it just I will say this, and I watch this in a lot of different sports now. You see it in golf all the time, and now you're beginning to see it in baseball. I think the term of art is the walk and talk, where the players are mic'd up, and they're willing to talk during during innings. This is not an exhibition game. This thing counts in the standings. I am thrilled that baseball accommodates this. Is this going to become something, is this a regular aspect, or is it just once a week, or is it just special? Because nothing enables people to relate to athletes better than that particular walk-and-talk circumstance.
4: Yeah, I agree 100%. It is becoming more commonplace. It's not done in every broadcast. I do think there's going to be a day when the local broadcast will, will do this. Uh, you know, and it's not just the interview with a starting pitcher who's on his off day and the headset in the dugout. It's guys who are on the field. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of the old schools who say, oh, you're, you're interrupting competition. Oh, please. 162 games <laughs> over six months. These guys are bored. That's why they forget the number of outs sometimes. And so to have a conversation with folks in the booth, uh, it, it is becoming more commonplace. The players are getting more comfortable with it. I will tell you, that I sit there and I cross my fingers any time a ball has hit these guys, like, please don't mess it up, please don't yeah. mess it up, please yeah. don't mess it up, because that would allow the old school types, general managers, managers, say, we don't want that to happen. It, Tony, it's going to become a regular part of baseball, and the players recognize that.
1: The baseball union is the toughest union to deal with and always has been. The smartest people, Marvin Miller, ran the baseball union. Tony Clark runs the baseball union now. I'm not a fan. Me, that's just me. Does the baseball union understand this is how you keep fans, you make fans, and keep fans by these things? Do they not understand that?
4: They do in this case. Uh, I think they've actually done a great job embracing this. They've encouraged okay. the players. The players are actually compensated, uh, you know, for doing this. It's fine. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I agree with you. Um, all good. And and I will say, you know, for years and years and years, you know, I've complained about how Major League Baseball and the Players Association do a poor job of marketing these players. They made an agreement early this year. They're doing better. We're getting to know these guys in a, in a better way, and, and uh, the wearing of the mic is is one of the ways that we can do that.
1: All you need is for the microphones to work a little bit better. Like, we, we got Lane Thomas. We didn't get C.J. Abrams the first time around. <laughs> yeah. But that's, <clears throat> that's technology. All right, I want your dog, Quinny, to be well. I just want to mention one thing. McConnell's coffee ice cream, top notch.
4: <laughs> top notch, McConnell's made in
1: Santa Barbara.
4: Top notch. Well Well, I appreciate that. And all I know is that since you and I started talking, uh Quinny is totally settled down. There you go so Tony, I've, I, I very much appreciate it.
1: I have a dog, you know, and, and I understand a dog's impulse to jump into a specific lake seventy five thousand miles away. I sorta of get that. Thank you, Buster. Enjoy Deadwood, South Dakota. Come back alive. Thanks, Buster.
4: <laughs> Thanks, guys.
1: Buster Olney. It's wonderful. You know, and you, you, you said, hey, you know, Tony, the, the White Sox can their GM and their president of operations, you know, and the Yankees have lost 20 in a row, and maybe you should talk to Buster Olney about that. No, you talked to him about that. <laughs> no, I talked to him about what I wanted to talk to him about. <laughs> yes. that, that particular game, which was so wonderful. And I, I also should mention this. Oh, yeah. How about this email? If you recall, I said after the game, the day after the game, which would, be, which would have been the Monday podcast. That's right. How much I enjoyed the girl who sang the anthem. Yes. 13-year-old girl. Thought she was absolutely yeah, great. Yeah, said she was spectacular. Knew nothing about her. This is sent from Shawnee Hansen. Hi, Tony. So glad you enjoyed my granddaughter's performance at the Little League World Series Classic. Her name is Lucy Hansen. She lives in Mosley, Virginia, and is a 13-year-old eighth grade student. She sings monthly for the Nationals and Orioles, too. We were thrilled that you mentioned her singing on your podcast today. Small world, kids. <laughs> Small world. And she was great. I mean, she was just great. So, all right, we'll take a break. Steve Sands when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song sent to us by Salvatore Gambino. Who right, so writes hello to everyone at the Tony Kornheiser Show. My name is Salvatore Gambino. I'm an entrepreneur and music artist from Connecticut. I recently had the pleasure of catting at a country club in Darien, Connecticut, where I met an awesome member named William Sammy. During our round of golf, I shared my endeavors within the music industry with Mr. Tammy. To my surprise, he asked if I'd ever heard of the Tony Kornheiser show. Admittedly, it was my first time hearing about it, but I'm genuinely grateful he introduced me to your podcast. He spoke highly of the fantastic opportunity your show provides for artists, producers, and musicians to submit their music. So he did. Salvatore Gambino did. And he has sent to us Sunlight, which is the song that you are hearing now. And we wish him all the luck in the world. With his musical career, it's probably a better career than caddying at the moment. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and he plays in Steve Sands, and Steve Sands will be at the Tour Championship this week, the PGA Tour Finals in Atlanta. I don't even—I hesitate to ask about a hotel because you're there every year, and I assume it's a good hotel in Atlanta, right? Hotels are
3: fine. a okay. fine. They're not international hotels, but they're fine.
1: I understand that. So, but, but, so we will. I'm going to move off into a different tangent. Because I watched a lot of the BMW last week at Wilbon's place at Olympia Field, and the round that Hovland had, particularly the back nine on Sunday, was absolutely amazing. What did you think of that?
3: First of all, the week started by me seeing Michael Wilbon in person. Yes, he told me. Yes. Gosh, what a thrill that was to be able to hang out with Michael and catch up with him uh, at his home course in Chicago. By the way, you know, Michael loves Chicago. Really? I,
1: I hadn't ever gotten that sense.
3: <laughs> really? Wash, like we're, its like we're heathens in Washington. Yes. Or Chicago. Everybody's walking around on the clouds.
1: You know That's that the crazy. that the all majors should be played in Chicago all year every <laughs> year.
3: It was great. You know that. You That's know what is. was cool was was seeing uh, introducing Michael Wilbon to Jack Nicholas. Yeah. And seeing Michael Wilbon, who's met everybody. I mean, we all have met everybody, and we're all so lucky in this ridiculous life we've all uh, had to meet all these incredible people. And it was really cool uh, to see Michael meet uh, Jack and Barbara Nicholas. Uh, it, was, it was very cool to catch up with Michael. He's doing great. I'm glad he's healthy again.
1: Wilbon uh, says that the Nicholases watch PTI. Wilbon was blown away by this.
3: Oh, man. Jack is a monster sports fan. That's monster
1: sports fan. It's just amazing. Well, I'm very oh, yeah. thrilled about Jack
3: that. Watches everything. He was he was so psyched when Jack told him that. It was very, yeah. very cool.
4: Yeah.
3: It was very, very cool. Um, Hovland. Yeah, we digress to Victor Hovland. That 62, I'm not going to say it's the best round of golf in the history of the PGA Tour, by no means. I'll say that Henrik Stenson's 63, at Royal Troon in 2016, when he went head-to-head with Phil Mickelson, mm-hmm. is the greatest round of golf I've ever seen. Uh, because it was Sunday. It was a major championship. It was a 63 to tie the lowest number in the history of the sport at the time. And he was going mono-y mono with Phil Mickelson. To me, that's the best 18 holes um, of all time. That may have been the best back nine we've ever seen. Yeah. (laughs) At a PGA 28. A 28. A 28 on that golf course, on a Sunday, to win the second of three playoff events. I mean, that was a Big time, big time round. Victor can go low, Tony, and he's not afraid to go low. Someone once told me years ago when some of these guys go low, they look up on the board, and not that they're afraid, like they're scared, but like they're just, they don't continue to keep their foot on the gas. Victor's not one of them. Victor is not afraid to go low. And man, did he put on a display of golf last Sunday.
1: So I guess I need to ask this. There's a lot of questions I have about Victor Hovland, but I need to ask this to begin with. If you are a member at Olympia Fields and you see a guy on a Sunday set a course record of 61, like set the course record, and there had been a couple of 62s, Max Homer had one, there had been a couple during the week. Do you feel bad or do you feel great?
3: It depends on the club. If you're at Olympia Fields, I think the people who I spoke to there, who I know who are members there, uh, I've not spoken to Michael about this yet, but I think the, the members showed a lot of pride in seeing big-time names win at their event. So it was the 55-year anniversary of Jack Nichols winning at Olympia Fields. Jim Furyk, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, is, or maybe he's already in the Hall of Fame, um, won the major championship there in 2003. John Rahm was a winner there three years ago, and now Victor Hobbler. talking about some seriously great players. Winning there. I think that matters more than the number. If you're at Oakmont, Tony, and you shoot a low number, they're not going to be happy because right. Oakmont prides itself on being an absolute grinder uh, the entire time you're there. So it just depends on the club. But I think Olympia Fields does and should have a lot of pride in what we saw last week.
1: I've got to ask this, and it comes up every time I'm just walking around a golf course with people and Hovland's name comes up. Mm -hmm. How do you even think to become a golf pro in Norway? (laughs) I mean, honestly, this is not like growing up, say, in Miami and wanting to be a hockey player because there are indoor rinks. Golf is played outdoors. This is Norway. They can't have more than three months a year where you can play golf. How do you think to become a golf pro there?
3: I think we've had this discussion for years with Victor, who is, by the way, is a wonderful kid, very bright, uh, worldly, knows exactly what's going on. Uh, he's a really cool kid, and he's going to be around for a long long time uh competitively He's a great great player. I think it's the Tiger woods effect. Tony Tiger made the game more global yeah so did so did you know all the television coverage uh, around the world and a lot of success uh not in Norway per se but in neighboring countries in Scandinavia with Sweden with Annika Sorenstam on the women's side and Henrik Stenson and Jesper Parnovic, if you remember him on on the men's side uh, competing in big-time major championships. And then that global effect with Tiger Woods, all the things that – you know, he brought to the game as far as a coolness that kids thought, oh, it was cool to play golf or looks a little bit different or that kind of thing. Oh, we can have fun on the golf course or we can, you know, fist pump and those kinds of things. And I think Victor just saw an avenue there, um, and his hand eye coordination is incredible. He tried the other sports, the speed skating and the, the hockey and all the things that you would do, the you know, ski jumping and all the things you would do in Norway. And he gravitated to, uh, to golf and stuck with it. And it's a short season over there. He lives in the United States. He went to college at Oklahoma State. And he was not, you, you can't live in Norway full-time and be a professional golfer and succeed. So uh, Victor found his path. And, and, man, oh, man, is he a great player.
1: I've got to think, Steve, that he had to leave Norway very young. I mean, for he months did. at a time. If he was going to be this good, he'd have to.
3: No question. But but so did People like you know Rory McIlroy, yeah. Northern Ireland. You can't play there in the winter. Um, you know, for the most part, you know all these guys who have played globally for, or internationally and have come to play a lot of junior events in the United States. You know, freak show athletes like Rory or Victor Hovland. Those kids, they're used to doing it. And then, then, you know, Rory didn't go to college. Victor didn't go all four years to Oklahoma State, but he went to oklahoma state because he thought that'd be the best path for him to come to the united states get used to living in the u.s and then try to play the pga tour and he certainly has succeeded at that but those kids leave home early yeah not to academies and things like that it's not like national academies like you have like say in asia but a lot of those european kids do leave home early
1: by the way thank you for mentioning rory rory can't putt rory yeah. could have won that tournament steve He could have won the tournament yeah. I mean, he yeah. doesn't even hit the hole from six feet half the time. I don't, I don't understand that.
3: Yeah, he's having a hard time right now, you know, sinking everything up. There's no question about that. It, it, the way he hits the golf ball, Tony, he gives himself so many yes. opportunities. Yes. That, you know, like to your point, how, do, how does he not win? Like he has a wedge in his hand like seven, eight, nine, ten times. And when you have a wedge in your hand and you're playing at that level, the elite level, you're thinking birdie. And he just is not putting. He's not the proximity of the hole is not great. It's it's really really good, but it's not incredibly great compared to some of the other guys who hit their wedges. But his putting right now, Tony, is a struggle. And uh, you know maybe it'll you know happen this week. He's won it three times. Loves the golf course. Uh, one of the controversies about the event is having it at the same course every year. Imagine having the Super Bowl every year on the same field where some team has some whatever sight line advantage or whatever. You know, some teams in baseball like certain ballparks versus others. In golf, there's a phrase, horses for courses. And that is one of the things that Rory loves about Eastlake is he loves this guy. He loves about the tour championship. That has played at East Lake every year. He loves this golf course, so we'll see. But that putter is not cooperating right now.
1: You and I are aligned on this on this issue, right? Because we talk about it every year. The stroke thing that people get advantages heading into this. You got thirty players. I mean, to me, you start at the same starting line and you end at the same finish line. I don't really, I don't really get this, right?
3: The dumbest thing in all the professional sports I've ever seen.
1: Yeah,
3: is when Major League Baseball used to choose its World Series home field advantage. By all-star games. All-star Game. That was the dumbest thing. Yeah. The second dumbest thing, I think, still currently happens. Great sport. I love it. But my goodness, college football's overtime system is the dumbest thing in the world right now.
1: Okay. And now the
3: third thing to me is this week in yeah, golf. Just... It's such a great sport. You would never in your life, in NASCAR... And in auto racing and open wheel racing, you have to have a staggered start because of the nature of the way the game is played, the way the nature of racing is. You can't have, you know, 40 cars lined up side by side. You can't have that. You can't have a staggered start in anything other than auto racing. You can't have somebody be four shots back when he's just won two of the last three starts in Lucas Glover. And Lucas was asked earlier this week, one of the reasons I love Lucas, because he'll give it straight. He's, he was asked about it. Does this feel like a major championship? And Lucas said, well, I've never started a major championship four shots back. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: just, He's a U.S. Open winner. It's the dumbest thing, in my opinion, other than college football's overtime system. To me, this staggered start is the dumbest thing going on in sports. I can't stand it. Uh, and And each year... Somebody plays the best in the four days and hasn't won the event. Uh, That is really bad, Tony. So in other words, if you score the best over the course of four days... You should win. Every other time in golf, you win. In this particular format this week, when the title is on the line, that's not the case. And to me... I think that's a big mistake on the PGA Tours' fault. And the players don't know what to make of it either. Nobody wants to rip it because that's what the system is. But it's just a bad, bad system. You just can't have a staggered start. Just because the Patriots go 16-0, and when they start the divisional game against whoever it was that year, you don't get a 7 nothing lead just because you had a great regular season. The regular season and the PGA Tours' FedEx Cup playoffs should be different, just like every other sport. Playoffs are completely different than the regular season. And, and this week, yeah, I, I'm with you, Tony. I don't like it at all.
1: And the other thing I would say is I wonder if this tournament is a little too exclusionary. Just 30. Is, are you comfortable with just 30? Do you think 30 is fair?
3: Yeah, I think 30 is fair okay. because there, here's why. Because there are three playoff events. Now, this year it was 70, then 50, then 30. Right. To me, it should be 90, 60, 30. Uh, but that's for a different discussion. But the reason I think 30 is okay is because you have to continue to keep cutting it down, just like every other playoffs. You know, And the NBA and the NHL, they have 16. They whittle it down to that's two right. for the title. So it's the same thing in golf. I, I'm, I'm completely comfortable with 30. I just think that the 30 – should have a chance to win the playoff title. Not the season-long or the regular season right. title, but the playoff title. And this week, Tony, if you're 21 through 30, I mean, you, you, you'd have to do something absolutely out of this world to win.
1: you are giving you're away giving, four and five yeah. shots. It's not fair. Yeah,
3: you are giving away so many <laughs> shots. There's no way these guys, you know how many tournaments throughout the course of a season, Tony, end up being either in a playoff or a one- or two-shot victory, like 85% of them. So if you're six, seven shots back, eight, nine, ten shots back going into the week, I mean, you're just playing for money. You're not playing to win. And to me, professional sports, all sports at all levels is about winning, and the money just comes with it. To me, if you're going to eliminate a third of the field before you even start the title race this week, I I don't think that's cool.
1: We are in complete accord on this. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Steve.
3: All right, Tony. Be good. Steve
1: Sands, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
2: Picture on the organ. It's lovely. It's Always wonderful.
1: love that. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us, please?
2: Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you, then pop on in, my friend, and you will be thrilled. That's just about it for us today.
1: Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I've been in this town so long, back in the city, I've been taken for lost and gone and unknown for a long, long time. Fell in love years ago with an innocent girl from the Spanish and Indian home among the heroes and villains. That's uh, Brian Wilson and Van Dyke Parks. That's the Beach Boys with one of their opuses, Heroes and Villains. Thanks to our guests today, Buster Olney and Steve Sands. Uh, Buster sent us um, a, a video of Quinny jumping <laughs> into Lake George. Yes. Right off the dock. <laughs> it Couldn't have been better. Very happy dog. So get happy. Well, get well soon, Quinny. Yeah. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Nuts.com, Simply Safe, Zip Recruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. From Brandon Borzelli in Lebanon, New Jersey, it's a shame that PTI has been canceled. I guess that's better than finding out that John Gruden's replacing you or simply getting a pink slip from Raju Narasetti. It would have been nice for one more episode, just so you could have torched all your enemies in one final blaze of glory. From Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia, sorry for the PTI rumors last week, turns out, it was just all of the flights to Greensboro, North Carolina being canceled. <laughs> oh, from Bob Craigmile. Dear Grandpa, could you read this on the air? I really want to be on Chuck and Roxy's show. From Mark Hughes in Ashton, Maryland. Glad to hear you enjoy John Sebastian and the Love and Spoonful. Not too many years ago, Sebastian played a free concert at the Rusty Rudder in Dewey Beach. I oh, didn't know that. Sure. You know I went. Brother, it was yeah. fabulous. Um, he played the hits, told the stories behind him. I doubt you made the show too bad. And I didn't know about it. Early show, you could have stopped at Vanderwens for some coffee ice cream <laughs> on your way back to Rehoboth. <laughs> oh, John, big fan, big fan. Um, from Paul Peniman, Here I am in the Willamette Valley near the birthplace p- of Tillamook, staying with my nephew-in-law who races Subarus. Is that good? I guess if he destroys them. Mm. And my equilibrium was restored by the knowledge that at Powell Books, Dr. Louise Gluck's book had not been selling. It's on the sale rack. Mm. Winter recipes from the collective... Poems, Louise Glück. <laughs> it might be on the make an offer rack. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what like you pick. want? <laughs> Gus from South Glens Falls, New York. And it's great to hear that Jack Nicholas watches P.T.I. But has he been on with Chuck and Roxy? Side note: That's While vacationing question. in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, a couple of weeks ago, and this is apropos for today's music, I ran into Bill Pitcher, the official organist of the T.K. Show. He was making kettle corn. Our paths had crossed once before, but it was at his dad's house, and Bill was probably only about four or five years old at that time. He's much (laughs) older now. Tell Michael we have rain coming today. I should be able to play 18 tomorrow. Since you struggle so much pronouncing my last name, just as I'm Gus from South Glens Falls, New York. Thank you, Gus. Karianas is how I would pronounce it. From JD Ewart in Oxford, Mississippi, which I believe is the home of the University of Mississippi. I believe you're correct. Where do Luke Russert and Lace Silliza fall on the best American nonfiction writers change? Top 20, surely. (laughs) Surely. Um, I am V. Dubel a 12, almost 13-year-old eighth grader from Winter Park, Florida. We're the home of the Winter Park Golf Course, built in 1914. I can get you in. My birthday is on this coming Monday, August 28th, and I think it'd be really cool for you to come to my party on the 26th and 27th. You're a busy man, so I totally understand if you can't come. I started listening to your show six or so months ago with my dad on the way home from acting lessons. Despite my utter lack of sports knowledge, I've become a casual fan of your show. My favorite segment is the emails, and more recently, I think it's pretty funny when you talk about your poor leg. I hope it gets better. Thanks, V. Dubel, Winter Park, Florida. P.S. Tell Michael that my favorite era is red. And Taylor Swift looked at me during the Eras tour. Also, he can print out an invitation for you. It's just lovely. uh, Yeah, it's a big party. Look, she's got pictures and everything. Party all weekend long. That's just great. Yeah, love that. From Kevin. You read a letter from a Kevin O'Brien the other day about the Mount Rushmore of hot things. Can you ask Kevin if he was ever a professor at Concordia College in Ann Arbor? Thanks. This is Kevin Povec. Wants to know that. I'm sure we'll get an answer. Leg wounds. This is... All right, so this is from Rusty Frederick in Savannah, Georgia. So is the new game talking about horrible leg wounds? (laughs) I've got one and a story that'll perhaps make you feel better about Cigna. After about five decades of enjoying the salt water around Savannah, I became a first-time stingray victim on July 4th. The stinger went into the top of my foot and nearly came out the bottom. Massive pain immediately followed, at least thought it was massive pain, until about 20 minutes later when the toxins kicked in, and my foot started swelling. Then it became unbearable pain. Our friends told us to leave everything, including the kids on the beach. They carried me to our boat, and my wife captained us back to the dock. Then it was off to the ER. Last week, I got a call from the insurance company, it went something like this: them: "We see you went to the ER on July 4th. Was this due to an accident of some sort? Me, yes. them. Was the accident at home, in a car, at work or animal related?" me animal related them describe what happened me i was attacked by a stingray <laughs> after describing when and where this occurred the conversation continued them can you provide me with the name of the animal owner me are you serious it was a stingray a fish them we have to make sure no one else is responsible for your injury so do you know who owns the animal me i would assume the georgia department of natural resources although hilton had is close by and maybe he was visiting for the day <laughs> <laughs> them, do you have a phone number for the Georgia Department of Nat- Natural Resources? Me, are you serious? What? Them, I can't proceed with processing your ER invoice without this information. So I begged them to record the call when they phone the, the Georgia DNR to ask if they would pay my hospital bill. I'll keep you updated. It's really good. <laughs> Mike Pennell, U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. I understand your unhappiness about the later sunsets as summer moves on. I listed while in England where the sunset Friday was... p.m. I was visiting southern Germany in late June when the sunset was 10 p.m. Mm. Now, of course, these places have their own challenges. In England, I had the challenge of getting a new SIM card and internet service for a 48-hour visit to enable me to use my GPS or I'd never find anything. I rented a car, a six-speed manual for which I had to learn all the controls while driving on the other side of the road through small English villages in the rain. Did I mention the shower curtainless showers? Of course, I considered what would Tony think of all this. And from Mike O'Brien. From Boston, Massachusetts, formerly (laughs) Rivera. I once went to chatter for the pod and I got a t-shirt. I wear it all the time, especially on vacation. My lady friend has told me nobody will know what that is because nobody has ever said anything to me while I'm wearing it. This past Thursday, I was in Chicago with friends and a person came up to me at a Mexican restaurant in Wrigleyville and said, "La (laughs) Chisery. At first, I was so floored I didn't know how to react. Then I asked if we should do the salute and I just flipped them off. My lady friend's friends who I was uh, with, asked what the hell just happened. I responded, the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> I wanted to say I'm Mike O'Brien from Boston, formerly Revere, <laughs> but I don't have a podcast number, so I felt like it was a weird flex. Thanks for everything you do. Got <laughs> on your bike, time to everyone as always. Do wear white.
0: Victor Wimbanyama,
2: Victor Yama, Victor Wembanyama. Won't forget the day. Walked up to me. You were all smiles, but serious as can be. You said there could be something between you and me. I. Did not know Did not know Just what to think or do Took me by surprise From my point of view From my point of view But you kept on saying it to me So I started So you had me, had me, had me all, all the run, all the run. all the run. All the run. the interest in me well, when I'll define somebody new this way cause I remember the days when I was the one just passing through cause I remember the, the days. days when I was the one just passing through passing through